This is the Good Things Guy podcast with myself, Brendan DeCube, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy. I'm on a mission to change what the world pays attention to. I truly believe that there's good news all around us, and I spend my time hunting down and reporting on the best good news stories from South Africa and the world. In the Good Things Guy podcast, you'll meet these everyday heroes and hear their incredible stories. Welcome back to another Good Things Guy jackpot. And this one is an incredibly special one. A very good friend to Good Things Guy, Clive van der Wagen Jullicher, recently had me on his YouTube channel where we spoke about mental wellness and having a good mindset. The last year has been incredibly traumatic. We have faced so many things head on. The loss of normalcy, the loss of income, the loss of loved ones. It feels like we're all in a race that none of us chose to be a part of, but we're always two steps behind. And it can feel incredibly overwhelming. Clive recently declared March his Mindset Matters Month. And uh, for the launch of that, he invited me to chat on his YouTube channel about mental wellness and really dig deep to try find some good things that maybe exist in this traumatic year that we've had. It was a tough conversation. It was an important conversation. And it's a conversation that I wanted to share with you guys as well. So listen up. This is myself and Clive having a really candid chat about mental wellness and why that matters. Welcome to Mindset Matters. I declared a few days ago that this was going to be Mindset Month because February was a shit show for me. I felt like I was in a complete funk. I felt like nothing was feeling productive. I felt lost. I felt like we had lost so much because of I couldn't explore the world. I couldn't um, connect with people, you know, spontaneously. Everything felt like I was talking to people on blocks. So I decided that March was time to shift that. And March was going to be a month where I focused on my mindset. And I thought, well, why don't I kind of take people along for the journey? and get them to uh, tell me how they get their mindset. Brad Lindekir is the good things guy. You probably have read his blog. You've, at the last time I, I spoke to him, I, I embarrassed him by saying how influential he was and that he won GQ awards. I told you about all sorts of things about how he runs amazing podcasts. I didn't tell you that he runs a clubhouse show at eight o'clock every morning. Um, Wake up South Africa and all of us listen to that religious so I'm not going to do that. So I don't embarrass him and say all these amazing things about him. And I'm just going to introduce Brent and kind of say, Brent, have I left anything out? Is there anything you want to say about yourself that I haven't said? Uh, you know, by not saying anything, you've said everything. So thank you very much. <laughs> um, yeah, good grief, man. When you, when you started that intro, something very familiar and scary clicked inside of me. And I'm sure we're going to speak about it in this session but I spoke very candidly a couple of weeks ago about losing my spark and how over the last couple of months I've really faked it I've, I've had to get up every morning I've had to show up I've had to report on the good news I've had to answer the messages with as much kindness as I could muster up but I was really faking it because I wasn't feeling positive and I did feel like for a the last couple of weeks, like I've lost my spark. Like it just, the fire within me that ignites my purpose was gone. 
And I couldn't put my finger on why. And I still can't to this day tell you where it, it went to. But something shifted inside of me. And a couple of weeks ago, it came back. It, it literally came back. I woke up one morning and I was so thankful to be alive. And I was so excited to get to work and read emails and interview people and tell those stories. And I think that a lot of South Africa and the world have lost their spark. And hopefully today we can figure out why and how to get it back. Well, I'm glad that you said so. Honestly, I don't feel alone then, which is great um, because I, I, I think and I think the more people I've spoken to and as I've coached people, I think it is a collective thing where I think in February, Jan, Feb was a bit of a bad month or kind of a few weeks because I think we went into 2021 with this kind of new year, new me. And there was this kind of hope that Corona would somehow disappear. Um, sorry, COVID-19, not Corona. And that we would somehow be able to connect again. And, you know, there we were sitting in another severe lockdown. And I think the focus became Came, and it's something we spoke about on Clubhouse the other day when I was on it. Where, and you spoke about the factors that anticipatory grief, and we spoke about that the last time, is, is that part of grief is, is that you feel, you know, there's the various stages. And part of it is that you feel denial and you feel anger and you feel loss. And I think one of the things that we got to was just this point of complete kind of despair, which is one of the, the steps that happen as well, where we were like, this shit show is going to carry on for a while. And I think it's a collective thing, but I think also people have had personal stuff that's happened to them. People have lost, I know I lost six people in one week that I knew due to COVID in January. And it, it just to kind of decide, oh, well, I'm still going to see the world in a, in a positive light is, is difficult when these things are being thrown at you? It's really hard. Um, I found myself, funny enough, yesterday, I've been training, as we spoke about before the show started, but from a mental wellness point of view, that's been massive for me. During the heart of the lockdown, I couldn't train. And my, my training is group training. So I need people around me to inspire me to work harder and and whether that's the vitality app that sort of has all your friends on it and everybody's competing with each other i need that in order to motivate me and i need i need the exercise to keep my head in a happy space and for the longest time i stopped exercising and and that that impacted me really badly and just yesterday i was standing at the gym doing my thing and this poster caught my eye a poster that's been there since the start of lockdown we see them everywhere about flattening the curve. That was a huge conversation at the beginning of lockdown and had all the little infographics about using your elbow to cough and, and wearing your mask and sanitizing and washing your hands. And I stood for what felt like 15 minutes. It was, it was probably only three seconds, but I stood staring at it and my brain went into the space where I was just thinking about what a weird year it's been. How bizarre has the last 300 odd days been? It's almost been a year. And we've somehow gotten through it, but we're still there. Like the year hasn't ended. And it, just, it made me really sad for a second because it's, it is tough. We've gone through a really, really tough time psychologically. Mm -hmm. And we're all dealing constantly with these traumas. You speak about, and my condolences to everybody that you care about, that you have lost, and anybody watching this for people that you have lost. But there's also so many other losses. The loss of normality. 
Like, it's just not our normal anymore to do things that we used to do, which we may have taken for granted, but so what? It was our life. Like, that's the way that we were living. And we no longer live in that normal way. That's a sad loss. Uh, the loss of income. A lot of us have lost perhaps our jobs. Perhaps we got packages that downgraded us. Perhaps we've had to shift. And that horrible word, pivot, that we were all using in 2020. But we've all had to really fight to be where we are right now. And I think that's a lot of trauma upon trauma upon trauma that we've had to deal with. And it's tough. It is tough. And you've said something that sparked me now, just in terms of that kind of like ongoing loss. And I think that's what's affecting our mindset, because just as you think you've dealt with one thing, there's just this kind of recurring loss that just keeps happening where you start hearing about people that are close to you. You start hearing about the fact that you can't buy booze on a weekend, you know, like all of those feel like we're losing stuff. But you said something beforehand that, that intrigues me. You said that suddenly your mindset just shifted. And I want you to tell me a little bit more about that, because I've got some views on mindset that we can talk about. But can you unpack that a little bit more? Because how, how did that happen? And how did you do it? So I think, um, I don't think, I know that, that one of my, my big life lessons during this time is that it's okay not to be okay, right? Uh, I've lived for the past, we're going into our eighth year now that Good Things Guy has been alive. And I've been living in this, this chapter of my life. Um, which I hope is a whole book. <laughs> I hope it goes on forever because I'm incredibly lucky to do what I do. But what occurred or what has happened is that I've been put in a box and that box is that Brent has to be happy. I, I, that's bizarre that I'm speaking about myself in the third person. I apologize. But it's that I'm supposed to be in this box where I'm happy and um, where my status is on, on social media. People go to it to get that happiness from me and where I can't really sway to have an opinion or I can't have an off day or I can't be upset. And I've lived this life for the last number of years where I've continued to be happy even on days where I wasn't happy. And what I realized during lockdown is that that's not okay. There are people that, that look to me, even if it's just one or two, that look to me to see this happiness and if I'm happy all the time, when you try and, and be that, it's not sustainable. It's not real. We all have off days. We, and I, I have many off days. So during lockdown, what I realized was that I needed to be open and honest about the way I was feeling. And if you do follow me on social media, you would have seen me go tilt. Like, like there were many days where I was just like, oh, today is not a good day. I'm taking off. You're not going to hear from me for a while. I'm going to go fill my cup. I'm going to play PlayStation. I might day drink. I might spend the day in a pool. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do to try and feel the feelings that I'm feeling. So be sad, but, but also try and fix it with self-care. Mm. That's, that's the first point. You asked about unpacking it. So maybe for too long, I was feeling the feelings. I didn't allow myself space for self-care, even though I was trying. I was feeling inadequate. I was feeling overworked. Um, I chose, myself and my partner, Andrew, we chose not to go away in December from a, and it's not me being a martyr, but from a COVID-19 point of view, I didn't want to add fuel to the fire. 
So that was the first reason we decided not to go away. And the second was I, our, my belief was that there were more restrictions coming. So for all the people that did go away and weren't allowed to drink and weren't allowed to be on the beach, I didn't want to find myself in that position. So those were the two, the two reasons. But not going away was possibly the worst thing I could have done for myself. December in South Africa is a culture. Like we live for Decembers. Whether that's staying at home and having big fat parties or going down to the coast or going to see family, it's a culture. And for the first time in, am I giving away my real age? 29, 36 years. First time in 36 years, I did nothing in December. I didn't party. I didn't see people. I didn't, I didn't have a festive time. And that didn't bode well with my mental wellness. And I think that's where, where that sort of living in a, in a cesspool of sadness may have started. And that then was compounded by the fact that in January, nothing changed. The clock struck midnight we may have said Happy New Year at nine o'clock because that's what the regulations allowed and nothing changed. And then January rolled into February and we were all just living a Groundhog Day where it's just the same thing over and over, same trauma, same day in, day out, no difference. And that for me was where my headspace was. Again, I can't tell you what the exact trigger was that got me out of it, perhaps you can, but there was something and I woke up different one day. One day, and I, I can't remember, it must have been three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I woke up and I just felt different. I didn't wake up angry. I didn't wake up sad. I just woke up different. And I think focusing on that difference and understanding where my mindset was and that perhaps I, I dug myself out of this trench somehow that helped me just uplift the way I was feeling. And every hour, every minute, every second, I felt better. I just felt better. And since then, I've been in a really, really good space, which uh, I'm very thankful for. If we did this interview six weeks ago, it would have been very different. <laughs> well, I'm glad we didn't schedule it for them then. I would have been like, how do you keep a great mindset? And you would have been like, I don't. It's terrible. I hate life. <laughs> that would have defeated the point of Mindset Month. So, Brent, you've said amazing stuff there. And one of the things that I want to say is so, so powerful about mindset and about kind of where you're at is the first kind of step, I think, in realizing that we need to change our mindset is being aware of the fact that we're not in a good mindset. And it sounds counterintuitive, but it's actually, it's about that first, uh, and they always say that change starts with awareness. You've got to be aware of what you've got to change. So, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So the fact is that you've got to be aware of the fact that, okay, I didn't go away in December. It's making me depressed. I didn't, you know, connect with people. I'm starting to feel, you know, terrible. And we were spoken before the recording started. I'm eating a Kit Kat a day and I'm not starting to feel the healthiest I've ever felt. You know, those are things that, we do that are part of the kind of stuff that we start becoming aware of. And what I actually probably believe happened is, is that, and probably you don't even know the trigger, but there's a decision that we make to step out of that mindset. And it has to be a decision. There has to be a decision. And I think even for you as the good things guy, eight years ago, I think there must have been a decision where you decided to be the good things guy. 
I don't think we're continuously, I mean, we're allowed to have our feelings and you said you felt your feelings for so long, but our feelings aren't always our truth. Our truth is the decision to act, to act differently, to act in abundance or to act in kind of a, a space of, of seeing things as as exciting. We choose to go looking for those kind of things. So my view of mindset is, is that we make a decision to see the world differently. And I don't know if that resonates with you. It does, 100%. And when I became cognizant of how I was feeling and when I became cognizant of that, that I'd lost, and, and that's the best way that I can explain it, I'd lost my spark. I'd lost the thing that sets my soul on fire. I'd lost it. And when I, when I realized that it was coming back, whether the decision was made already, I could tap into that. And I could really, I could really spark that again to come alive. And what's beautiful is, is sharing that experience online. There were so many people that replied going, you've put my feelings into words. This is where I am right now. I have lived this last year. And I too have lost my spark. And I can tell you, Clive, that from there, everything changed. So we speak, at one stage, I thought that Nestle should have sponsored me for being the biggest Kit Kat eater in South Africa. I was eating a slab a day, a slab a day. And I don't even have a sweet tooth. So I don't even know where that came from. But everything shifted. So my focus um, went from really diving into work and getting that to-do list done every single day and being grateful. Uh, we speak about instead of saying I have to, to I get to. So I get to work. Like how, how incredible in this crazy global pandemic when the world is falling apart, I still have a job. Like that for me, I'm grateful for every single day. And not only do I have a job, but I possibly have the best job in the world where I get to research and talk about good things that happen every day. So grateful for that. But I started eating better. I, and I know... I mean, that's a, that's a huge sweeping statement. But I, I made decisions to work towards being healthier in every aspect of my life. So we spoke about the last talk that we did. We spoke about how my bar is full and how I've got lots of bottles of wine. And I love having a glass of wine. Like I, I've, at the end of the day, to pop open a bottle of wine and to cook dinner, like it's, I love it. But I decided to interrupt and say, I've seen your TikTok videos and it's not a glass of wine that you love. (laughs) Correct. This is correct. (laughs) And um, during this this mind shift, I decided that drinking had become a vice during lockdown. And that that little glass of wine at the end of the day had really become a habit. Like at the end of the day, I was pouring a glass, a bottle, whatever you want to call it, every single day. And so I made the decision, no drinking on school nights. I've gone back to the old Brent where I'm being healthy in the week. I'm eating healthier. I'm exercising. I'm enjoying my job. I'm loving Zooms again, which at one stage I got like Zoom fatigue. Now I'm loving speaking to people. I'm loving interacting with humans. But my whole world shifted a month ago. And the space that I'm in now is perhaps better than I've been in a very long time. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm really pleased for you. I mean, I really mean that sincerely. I think that, you know, it's so many people that I'm speaking to and I get to coach people who are, I coached someone the other day and, and this person was just saying is, is that, and we were speaking business-wise and trying to manage employees. And it's like, how do I manage blocks on a screen? I haven't seen these people in a year. And every time I want to make 
a change to the presentation that they've done. It feels like they're being called into the principal's office because I can't lean over like I did before to my colleague and just say, you know, oh, that font's not great. You know, don't you want to change it? It's now I have to kind of do a hi, listen, can we talk about, you know, and it becomes like a, a set thing. And I'm kind of feeling that people are in the space of fatigue and that they are in a space of kind of feeling like, Things are not going to change, you know, that, you know, I, I see on Facebook people posting stuff about, you know, and, and everyone's, I always know people are down when they all start posting motivational stuff, because that's, you know, kind of our responses is that we start trying to get other people's quotes to try and start making us feel better. But it's what you've said there in terms of that you made decisions that were counter to the decisions you were making that were pulling you down. So one of the things that I'll be honest about is I haven't had a glass of wine in over five months uh, or any drink. I haven't had any alcohol because I found that what alcohol was doing is similar to you is, is that I would, you know, kind of say, oh, you know, I deserve a glass of wine. Now it's four o'clock, whatever that became, whether it became more than a glass of wine. And what would happen from there is, is that the next morning you wake up not feeling great. I wasn't 100 percent. I didn't want to exercise. Felt a little bit depressed because alcohol is a depressant. And I kind of thought, well, what do I need to do to actually make decisions to make me feel better? And that was one of the decisions I made. And I think it's those little decisions that we make to say, okay, I'm not going to drink fizzy drinks. And the psychological reward that you need to give yourself, James Clears talks about the atomic habits and BJ Fogg in, in Tiny Habits, is about the fact that what we need to do is give, give ourselves tiny rewards for saying, well done, Brent, you didn't drink during the week. That those kind of things actually shift our mindset is when we, we make active decisions to do things differently that add positivity and then reward ourselves positively for making those decisions. I'm smiling from ear to ear because you literally are unpacking exactly what I've done in the last couple of weeks and how impactful that was to everything in my life. You've seen my diary before and how I structure everything. and it's, my, my days are very structured because it's something I can control. So that's my OCD coming into play. I know it. I know it's real, but it's very structured. And from my little jog in the morning to get me going till I do a bit of fitness in the afternoon. And in between that, there's time for PlayStation. I've put that in my diary because it all adds to my mental wellness. And I'm rewarding myself in the best way possible. I just love that whole perspective. You, you, you hit the nail on the head. I've given up the things that were counterproductive and not given them up. So today's Friday. We're filming this on a Friday. After fitness tonight at six o'clock, I'm going to be having pizza and wine. It's what I do. It's a celebration. It's a Friday, but I'm not drinking every week, every day, which um, I was during lockdown. So small, yeah. small wins, small wins. Absolutely. I want us just to pick up on the fact about how amazing what I was saying. And I just want you to say more about how amazing I am. I think that that would be very fruitful. <laughs> I mean, that's great for your mental wellness. That's great for yes. you. Yes. I love it. Bit of a dopamine hit right there. Yes, I said something that made the good things guy go, yay. <laughs> for those that are watching that might not know, there's a new app called Clubhouse where it's only audio. It's very bizarre at first. When you log in, you kind of feel like you're listening to people's phone calls, but then you realize that it's more like talk radio where you have these engaged users, where people can share ideas and have a 
amazing conversations. And the other day when I introduced you, because they, they call it a stage. So you step up on the stage to join the panel of speakers. And you joined us. And when I spoke about the work that you were doing, it wasn't frivolous. Like the stuff that you are doing is so incredibly important. There are human beings that are reaching out to understand what they are going through right now. And majority of people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it down to communities. So South Africans. They don't have money to, to speak to therapists. They don't have money to go looking for the help that perhaps they really need right now. Um, I think that, and this is just my opinion, please don't use it as fact, but people need to be dealing with PTSD. Like we, what we have gone through in the last year has impacted us really, really badly. It's been really tough. And the work that you do, that you're open to creating conversations where as long as you have data, you're able to tap into that is hugely important because there are many people that are feeling the same feelings right now and they're not getting their justification from Facebook. They're not realizing from social media that it's okay not to be okay and that we're all kind of feeling the same thing right now in different um, ways, some bigger, some smaller but we're all dealing with stuff right now. And I think that's why the work that you are doing, and this is not an ego boost, this is not for your mental wellness, it is highly important. And, and I just want to thank you for taking time out and, and doing this. Thank you. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I mean, and it's, it's work that I need to make sure that I have someone do for me. <laughs> because what I'm very aware of, and I think why I've gone into the work that I have, and potentially why you've gone into the work that you have, is because firstly, we people who want to add value to the world. So that's one of my values, and I'm sure it's yours as well. But what it also does is, is that I do work that all I really do is I make people aware. And it's a consciousness thing. And when we become conscious of the fact that we're unconscious or we become conscious of the fact that we're not serving ourselves well, that's very powerful work for me to do is when someone just goes, walks out of a session and says, actually, I've realized I've been thinking about this all wrong. And that's what I think is so powerful about talking to you is because you're living proof of that. And I'm going to get a little bit vulnerable here. And I hope you don't mind me getting into territory that, but I know you've experienced loss. Um, you've shared about it on social media and you've shared about the loss that you've experienced in previous years. And often when we experience, and, and I mean, loss of people that you love. And often when that happens, it's very difficult to bounce back from that kind of stuff. And we need to sit in those feelings and be aware of it. But what we also need to do is not get stuck there. And mm. I was quite surprised by, firstly, how vulnerable you were on social media, you and Andrew. Not surprised by, but the fact is, is that, that you were prepared to share your pain with us. But also how you spoke about it in such a positive way of saying, we're allowed to go through this period of grief. Bear with us while we go through this period of grief. But actually what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate the life that we got to share with someone. And I think that's an incredibly powerful decision that you two made. So, I mean, I can take it back to 10 years ago. I lost my father 10 years ago. And that for me was the biggest heartbreak that I've ever suffered. The, my dad was the love of my life. Like he was my be all and end all. And his passing was very tragic. He'd gone to Mozambique on holiday and he got back. And two weeks later, he died from malaria. 
So that, that like that quick, no one knew he, he, we thought he had a cold on like a, a bit of a flu on the Monday and on the Tuesday he passed away. And for me, that stuck with me for, for quite some time where I had to deal with that heartbreak and 10 years later, and I still haven't dealt with it. Like I, there's still days that I get a little bit sad and that I, I wish that he was here just to experience life and to chat to him and whatever that is. But in dealing with such a hard, hard, hard death in my life, it's made it, and I know this sounds so awful, but it's made it easier to deal with death. And I think you go through different, we, we know you go through different stages of grief. Whoever, and you'll know the name, I hope, I don't know. But the person who came up with the stages originally had six stages. And the final one was acceptance, that he believed was acceptance. What happened then is he came, I think the seventh one became purpose. When you find purpose within your life, you've truly concluded that experience of grief. And losing my father, somewhere, somehow, the good things guy was born in that time. And I found my purpose and my voice and my reason to live. And yes, we went through an incredibly tragic death recently and we took time out and we, we had to deal and sit with those feelings. What it made me realize more than anything is that people right now, people that we know, that we care, that we love, are dealing with monsters that they're not talking about. And I've got this, I don't know where it came from. I don't know where the saying came from. But uh, obviously it came from Fight Club, but I don't know where I saw it. We're all in a fight club. But the first rule of Fight Club is we don't talk about it. We don't talk about the things that we're fighting, the innermost demons that we have. And I don't know why. I don't know why we were brought up to keep those thoughts inside when they are the most important to speak about, to let people know that we are not coping. We are not dealing. We're not able to get through today. I am not okay. Like those words need to be cemented and we need to normalize speaking about not being okay. Mm. And I think that's what I've learned with, with dear Daniel, who, I mean, it was heartbreaking, but we are all dealing with monsters and we need to be reaching out to each other to help each other through this. And if for some reason you believe that someone, your intuition, intuition does, it can tell you what's going on. If you believe that there's someone in your life that's not coping and they're not talking about it, I think it's our responsibility to reach out to them, to pick up the phone, to just tell people that we're there for them, that we care for them. And if they need us, we're here. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, that is, thank you for the vulnerability and, and for letting us into your world. And I'm sorry for what you've been through. And I think it's incredibly powerful that you talk about the fact that we need to be vulnerable. One of the things that in therapy, um, and I'm not a psychologist, but one of the things that Freud used to talk about was, they used to call this um, hysteria, but basically it was conversion disorder. That when we didn't speak about things, it actually becomes, the body converts it into physical symptoms and we start becoming ill. So one of the ways to build our immunity is to speak about trauma about tragedy. And so it's interesting that in the time of a pandemic, one of the most powerful things you can do for your immunity is speak about what's actually making you not well. It just made me think about that, that I think that's very powerful. And also what I think is also very powerful in terms of what you said when it comes to mindset is 
firstly, that you took time out to feel the feelings that you went from there. But then what you also did beyond there was is that that kind of sense of purpose that you went back to what is the meaning, you know, and the meaning for you in experiencing someone's loss. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but as I reflect back on how I heard it was, is that you went back to your meaning to say people are struggling. So how can I reach out to people? Because that's the meaning I've gained from the loss I've experienced. And I think that that's incredibly powerful because, and I think what we, that's something that we need to kind of really reflect on is, is that how do I find the meaning in the loss? And the next thing you said is, is that the power of reaching out. And I don't think we realize how powerful reaching out is for our own mindsets, is that actually saying I'm here for you to someone else. I mean, it releases all sorts of things in the brain in terms of dopamine and serotonin. But what it actually does is it makes us better by reaching out to make others feel better. I love that. And I, I had no clue that any of that existed or that it does that. I just, I really speak purely from the heart and what my belief system is. And it's a waterfall effect. It's, a, it's such a beautiful waterfall effect. I'll give you an example. A couple of days ago, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm in a good space. But a very good friend of mine phoned me and she's incredibly busy. I know her schedule. She doesn't have a minute in her day to herself. And I was driving in my car and my phone rang and I saw her name and I just, at first I thought something was wrong. I answered and she had called just to see how I was doing. I was on her mind. She wanted to know if everything was okay in Brentland. And if we, if we were like, if, if I was okay, if Andrew was okay, if, if everything was okay. And I loved the conversation. I didn't know that I needed it. I put the phone down and I felt really good afterwards. I felt, I was like, I feel really good. And then I went, hold on. I'm worried about this person. I wonder if they're okay. And I picked up the phone and I phoned them. It was this waterfall effect. And I don't know if that next person that I phoned, phoned someone else, but I'm hoping that they did. I'm hoping that, that it happened that way because that's the way it felt to me. And when you reach out to other people, you're starting a chain of kindness. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. And yeah, um, was it Paris Hilton? Because I believe she was on Clubhouse today. So, and crashed Paris, Clubhouse. So. Paris and I, so I don't know if you, I mean, we're going off tangent completely, but did you watch the documentary? That, I that did watch the documentary and heard her real voice for the first time. Total eye opener. But I put up a, a tweet when I was, or after I'd watched the documentary, just going like, Good grief. Paris Hilton, the Paris Hilton that we thought we knew is not the Paris Hilton that we know. And everybody needs to watch this. I can't even remember what my words were. But within a couple of seconds of posting that, Paris Hilton retweeted me. That retweet, that, that tweet. And then she messaged me. So it could have been PR. But as we know from the show, she handles all of her social media and she's quite addicted to it. She messaged me just to go, thank you, all the way in South Africa. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for what? I nearly died. I nearly died. <laughs> so it was Paris Hilton that phoned you. You've admitted it. You keep saying that someone famous, but it was Paris. <laughs> <laughs> you like besties now. <laughs> no wonder. That was what actually got you out of your mindset, Funk. It was Paris Hilton. Thanks, Paris. Uh now we know the secrets. Now we know, guys. You want your mindset to be better? Just message Paris Hilton. So, 
anyway, off the tip, back to back to kind of the mindset stuff. In terms of when we were on that clubhouse, um, the Wake Up South African, for those of you who haven't watched on on clubhouse, eight o'clock every single day um, on clubhouse, I'm there religiously when I don't have work. It's a really nice way to wake up with some engaging conversation and just, and Brent leads that group um, with a bunch of other great guys and women um, very, very well. But one of the things that you said, Brent, was you said phone someone who just needs to hear from you. And I immediately had started thinking of a friend of mine who's, she's one of my best friends, well, he's my best friend in Cape Town. And she last year got COVID and has had a recurrence now at the moment of COVID cystitis, which is a secondary effect of what's happening. And we've been kind of talking via WhatsApp. And I thought, actually, let me pick up the phone and phone her and find out how she's doing. We spoke on the phone for about an hour um, by the end of it. And what I realized, and at the end of it, I felt really almost euphoric not because she was in a good space or anything like that, but also it was so good for my mindset to have spontaneous connectivity is kind of what I've named it is, is that in COVID, I think we've lost that spontaneous connectivity where we just pick up the phone and we say to people, listen, um, how the hell are you? We've become task oriented. We spend our time on Zooms. We schedule things. And I think there is so much power in, and, and it's part of mindset is, is that we are, you know, unless you vary on the introverted scale, we are people who need connection and we need to know that we belong. It's part of our, you know, kind of evolution as human beings is, is that we need to feel like we're part of a tribe. And I think we've lost that feeling of because we can't hang out together, because we can't, you know, kind of go to parties together or do those kind of things, but we've lost that kind of sense of tribe, that kind of sense of community and that kind of sense of being able to quickly say, listen, what are you doing now? Do you want to go and quickly have a drink? We don't do that anymore. It doesn't seem to be our norm. And I think there's so much power in just picking up the phone and saying, I just want to spontaneously connect with you. And I keep encouraging people that I coach to say, what are you doing that you're attracted to? And what are you doing that creates spontaneous connectivity? What do you think? So, we, and so I love that, that thought. I can honestly say that it is a problem that we don't spontaneously connect anymore. And I can even give you an example. Our house has, has literally always had a revolving door on the front door. We've had friends come in and out all day. Everybody's welcome. The kettle's always on. There's always a bottle of champers in the fridge ready to be popped. And because of the community that we live in, we're in a safe estate. So it's walled off. It's got security. You can walk in the streets. Like it's, it's, it's very, it feels very safe. And a couple of days ago, our neighbors actually popped in just to say hi. They'd come and knocked on the... And I freaked out because it was so abnormal to have someone at my front door. I haven't had that in over a year. But they rocked up. They brought a couple of beers with them. They walked in. At first, I was like, uh, do, what do I do? Do we wear our masks? What do I do? Like, we, So we all went and sat outside on the patio. We shared a beer. And within two or three minutes, our normal was back. It felt good to have people around us. But that first instant of people knocking on our door, felt, it felt odd, which is a, it shouldn't be that way. Like as humans, as an extrovert, I need connectivity. So I love the idea of spontaneous, whether that's communication, whether it's picking up the phone, whether it's going to see your neighbors, uh, you know, as long as you're doing it 
in a safe way. We, we, we don't call, we don't say socially distanced anymore. Now we say physically distanced. So keep your distance from each other. Um, and as long as we're, we're doing it in a safe way, we should be connecting as humans. I think it's vitally important for our mental wellness. It is. I didn't know we were saying physically connecting. I feel so out now. <laughs> I've been saying, yeah. so dist- I mean, physically distancing. I, 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 I didn't know that that was a thing. It's a thing. So instead of you don't need to be, I, I mean, the president changed this mid last year. It's not about being socially distanced. It's about being physically distanced. So yeah. still be social, still see people, but do it in a way that you are not hugging or whatever that So keep a physical distance, but work on your social. I think as human beings, we need oh. it. I don't listen to his talks. They make me, they're not good for my mindset. So I didn't know that. <laughs> Sorry, Cyril. I know that it's, it's, fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's my job. I do it for all of you. And I even produce the review the next day. So I, I try to make everything as concise as possible. I wait for your, for your feedback. And then I know whether, you know, kind of people can go out and buy booze and, you know, cigarettes and <laughs> things like that. So, yes. Brent, I think it's time to wrap up and I I think you've given such valuable insight into your world and how you control your mindset. Is there anything that you want to kind of say to people who are watching this? I know it's always difficult to put in the spot because like almost now I want a soundbite from you that I can quote and so it's difficult. But in terms of thinking about the theme of where we're at and you being the good things guy and wanting to believe there's good in the world, is there something you want to share with us? Yes, I, I 100% do. I, I think that during this, this last year and this traumatic time, we've had many fights with many monsters, and some of those monsters are ourselves. And I just want to remind people to be kinder to themselves as well. You need to treat yourself like you would your best friend. I know a lot of the time, whatever we're dealing with in the outside world, uh, that voice in our head can be really, really ugly. And I I think we need to just calm it down. We need to be gentle with ourselves. We are all dealing with something incredibly traumatic and you cannot help anybody else until you've helped yourself. So you need to be filling your cup. You need to really care for yourself so that you can get through this on the other side and perhaps help people along the way. That's also not your duty. Your duty is not to look after everybody. So just be very, very gentle with yourself, I think. Great. That's great advice. And I think it is so important. I think we are our own worst enemies and we do get into a space where we get trapped in a victim space and think that the world is throwing unfair things at us. And we respond from a space of Brene Brown calls it that we shrink. And she says, she always says, don't shrink and don't puff, you know, in response to people and in response to things. And it is so important that we don't shrink or puff at ourselves and say, you should be doing things better or you should have a better mindset. But just to settle into the awareness of the fact that I'm not being kind to myself and how can I be kinder? How can I see the world differently? How can I be nicer to people? How can I spontaneously connect? You are always amazing to interview. You are always amazing to listen to and to follow on social media because you do bring such an amazing energy and such a, such a goodness into the world. So it's really a privilege to spend this time with you and I'm sure a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it I know whenever I post something that has your name attached to it I get so many people saying oh organize a dinner I'm a big fan I want to meet him um so I'm like you don't understand how much he drinks he's not actually like (laughs) 
<laughs> so, so let's please do, uh, actually, I'm going to put you on the spot as well. I would love to do a physically distanced dinner with you guys. And I would love to spend some quality time with you. Uh, and it doesn't have to be about wine. I used to be in your wine club many years ago. Yes. Um, <laughs> and just... We can just be friends hanging out and catching up and spontaneously communicating and spending time with each other. I would love that. And thank you for having me today. I love speaking to you. Like I said before, the work that you're doing is incredibly important. And this has been a really, really, really fun session. I feel really good. Bridge, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for giving up. Uh, we've spoken for a while. I really appreciate it. And um, thank you for just doing what you're doing and for being positive when the world is not feeling always that positive. We appreciate you. So thanks very much. Thank you very much. Cheers, everybody.